There is no doubt that the business sector wields plenty of power. Power that can shape the world and if applied with a conscience, positively impact all spheres of civilization. In Conscious Conversations, I, Carmen Murray, chat with a fascinating array of industry leaders and pioneers to explore how doing business with the greater good in mind can lead to better returns and a better South Africa for all. Join me on my voyage of discovery and together we'll unearth the value, nobility, prosperity and opportunity that is part and parcel of ethical capitalism. Welcome to the Conscious Lead Hers. You know, we all need a dash of Cindy in our life. And today, I think it's the first time, Cindy, you're joining us on the Carmen Murray Show. And you are like the Michael Bay of business. You like to blow shit up. You repel people that are not supposed to be in your way so that you can attract the people that you want to attract. And more importantly, I think you teach us all how to be braver you know, strangers to the business world. You've been a chairman and president at the major advertising, Bartleberger Hegarty. Um, but you're also the founder of Make Love Not Porn. And then also you're the founder of Girls That Run the World and you drive consciousness around ageism and menopause. So I'm, I must admit today, I didn't do much preparation because I actually want to hang on your lips and I want to hear what you have to say about menopause and ageism because I actually didn't realize how hectic this is until I was um, diagnosed with perimenopause. So now the floor is over to you. How are you? I'm I'm good, thank you, Carmen. Nice to see you again. Oh, it's always good. You know, there's there's always times in our lives where we need to turn to to women. Sometimes when we need guidance in our lives, and you know, I um when I don't know when I, my period started when I was young. Um, we got given these books, it's called Almost 12. Our parents didn't talk to us about womanhood and just gave us these books. And then you don't read it because it looks boring. And then one day something happens and welcome to womanhood. And I feel like I'm there again. Now I'm at the end of my womanhood and now I also still don't know what's going on. So I don't know if any better person, because I know I'm not the only woman on this journey, is to literally just understand, first of all, why has nobody done research or why, why, why do we not know all of these things about ourselves and why is it such a mystery? Um, let me just chip in and interrupt you there, um, Colin, because honestly, as, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the best thing about menopause is no more periods. Yeah. <laughs> and I was ecstatic to no longer get periods. I will just say that I am one of the enormously lucky ones when it comes to menopause, because basically at the age of 50, my period stopped and, and that was it. Mm. I was fortunate enough not to experience, you know, hot flashes, um, mood swings, um, um, any of that. But obviously in my um, network of friends and colleagues, um, there's a whole range of very different experiences. And I think what I would say, first of all, is that the great thing is that there are more women now talking about menopause than ever before. Mm. And there are actually more workplaces than ever before willing to understand that this is something that, that actively impacts uh, women in a way that needs to be taken account of um, in, in the workplace. And by the way, that is true also of periods generally. You know, um, a member of my team at Make Love Not Porn gets 
utterly debilitating periods. Mm. You know, she um, they put her out of action for several days. And so, you know, that, that is also something that throughout women's lives, workplaces need to have an understanding of um, as well. So the good news is that, um, you know, more and more um, discussed openly, um, there's much more understanding, as, as I say, more empathetic workplaces. And so what I also find encouraging is that there are many female founders who have started businesses that are absolutely about helping women, you know, through menopause, you know, manage um, their own particular type of menopause, etc. Because, you know, historically, the medical profession has obviously been male dominated. You know, there are very depressing statistics about the fact that many medical conditions were not even researched amongst women because the assumption was that they researched for men and then just assumed that women were swept up in how those were addressed. And so there are now women scientists who are also starting very interesting businesses. Um, For example, like my friend Perea Yurtus-Bean, who has a company called Cellmatics, C-E-L-M-A-T-I-X. It's a biotech company. But she is working on the concept of making menopause optional. What? Okay. Um, basically, uh, yeah, fr- from, uh, from a scientific perspective. And by the way, you know, listeners do check out Cellmatics because I'm not a scientist, so I cannot <laughs> speak to this the way Maria can. But, but, but her, her point is that actually um, that there are ways of absolutely, you know, um, preventing menopause um, that, that – Again, because women scientists have not addressed this and because women struggle to raise funding for mm. tech companies generally, you know, we, we have not in we haven't had enough cutting edge science applied to all of this. So, you know, um, the good news on that front is that um, the female lens being brought to bear on all of this um, is enormously beneficial for women as a whole. And, um, and I will just highlight, um, Carmen, that. One very important aspect of menopause um, is something that I and Make Love Not Porn um, are helping with, which is, um, so so for the benefit of listeners, um, my business, Make Love Not Porn, is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And we are the world's um, first and only user-generated, 100% human-curated social sex video sharing platform. So the way to think about Make Love Not Porn is if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie produced, performative, scripted entertainment, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary. Mm. We are a unique window onto the funny, loving, wonderful sex we all have in the real world. And the reason that that is important in this context is because, you know, um, as, as the only window onto how everybody has sex in the real world. Um, We don't just celebrate the full glorious spectrum of real world human sexuality. We also celebrate how people manage their sexuality and their sex lives through a range of real world health conditions, Mm. which you won't see anywhere else on the internet. So um, we have a number of menopausal contributors uh, and on Make Love Not Porn, our contributors are called Make Love Not Porn Stars. And what they share on Make Love Not Porn are videos of how they are managing their own sexuality and sex lives through menopause. <laughs> you know, they talk about um, 
the impact menopause has had um, and how they and their partners you know are 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 actually managing through this and and you know this is why we call make love not porn telehealth for your sex life because you won't see that anywhere else but it's a very important part of menopause that many doctors are too embarrassed to even bring up i find it absolutely um fascinating because you know there is a lot that changed you know your your sexual health and also how you know your mood swings and stuff i think what what interests me is also what you mentioned earlier on is this whole thing about how businesses are becoming part of this conversation why do you think that is important what what is the outcome that they're looking for by having these conversations and what 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 should their objectives be so um first of all just to answer that question in a broader context carmen um Open conversation about menopause is incredibly important because this is a men's issue as much as a woman's issue, because menopause impacts everybody. You know, it impacts not only the woman concerned, but it impacts, you know, her partner, her family, her children, you know, and her colleagues. Um, So right-minded men welcome this conversation, you know, um, because... Right-minded men know that this is about a life stage where it's really important to understand and support um, because it's absolutely about how it impacts, you know, the lives of the men closest to the woman as well. And the same thing goes for right-minded employers and workplaces. Mm. You know, right-minded employers are empathetic in terms of any health conditions that their, their employees are dealing with, you know. And, you know, it's wonderful to see, you know, many more accommodations today in right-minded workplaces for, you know, um, people with disabilities, neurodiverse people, you know, um, people who um, have mental health issues, you know, to, um, it, it's it's really fantastic that we are able to be much more open about all of this and to understand that for a happy, productive team, mm. you know, you need to realize that everybody goes through something or other at some point or other and that it's just um, a natural fact of life that in the workplace, we want to be as supportive as possible to enable p- people to be as productive as possible. So, you know, I think... Um, you know, right-minded men as well as women um, really understand that and are absolutely rallying um, to support women in this context. I find it also very fascinating that you're referring to that because something I must tell you is like when you get old, and I mean, (laughs) I've learned so much of your wisdom over the years, and, you know, when you get there, you start getting, oh, now I get what Cindy said. (laughs) You know, I'm sure you've heard me say this before, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, the older you get, the better life gets, mm. you know. And um, and this is why, you know, I would really encourage our listeners to, you know, think about menopause as, you know, um, it's, it, it's, you know, a transitioning phase to a really phenomenal part of your life. You know, um, obviously it comes with, you know, varying for every woman, um, you know, um, distinctly less than thrilling, um, you know, um, physical impacts. But out the other side of that, first of all, no more periods. You know, yes. I, don't, I don't know how many other women feel like that, but honestly, such a relief not to have to deal with that shit anymore, trust me. You know? <laughs> but secondly, 
out the other side of menopause, and and and, and by the way, again, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact um, that you know we often talk about this inaccurately because you know I've I've been through. I'm, I'm still you know we are in menopause because mm. because that is um, the phase um, you know to, um, uh, for for the rest of one's life. But um, a couple of really important things to, to bear in mind. Um, the first is, and I really emphasize this because I, I see too few people, especially women, thinking like this. So um, an anecdote um, to demonstrate what I mean. I um, work as a consultant, and for a number of years, um, some time back, I worked on Retainer <clears throat> as a consultant to the Japanese advertising agency, Hakahodo. And so I would go and visit them in Tokyo to work with them. And on one of my trips there, and this is a number of years ago, um, we all went out to dinner. Um, it was me and all of my Japanese colleagues, and we went to a sushi restaurant. We got completely tanked on sake. <laughs> and, 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 and one one of the group at Hakahodo, who was a, an older woman, who was um, an executive creative director at Hakahodo. And by the way, to be a woman and to be an executive creative director in a Jap- Japanese advertising agency, you have to be extraordinary, because Japan is a very sexist country. So anyway, she revealed to the group that in her youth, she had been apprenticed for a time to a very famous Japanese fortune teller, soothsayer kind of person. And he had taught her to read palms. And she'd only been apprenticed for something like six months. So um, she could read palms in a relatively limited way. She could kind of look at your love life, look at your health, you know, look at your career, something like that. So we're all drunk on sake. We're all going, read me, read me. <laughs> so, so she read everybody's palm around the table. And, um, and obviously she learned Japanese. And then with me, she had to do it in English. And the English wasn't very good, which was part of the charm of it. Um, <laughs> she looked at my palm. And at the time, I rem- remember I was 49 years old. I'm 63 now. And she looked at my palm and she said to me, you are only halfway. And I loved that because that was exactly how I felt at the age of 49. I was only halfway. And Carmen, I share this anecdote with our listeners because the important thing when you are going through menopause, which tends to, I mean, you know, again, um, uh, you know, onset of perimenopause varies widely. You know, it it can be kind of very early onset, but broadly speaking, it's sort of midlife. And the thing to bear in mind is that you have as long to live again um, as you have already. And, you know, that's a whole second lease of life. What are you going to do with that? Because too many women think, oh, it's all downhill from here on. And I go, no, 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 no. You are now moving into your second life. You know, and that's the way to think about it. You know, out the other side of this, what are you going to do with like as long to live again as, as you have currently? And then I think, um, you know, obviously the great thing as we get older is, you know, we just stop caring what other people think. You know, as you get older, you know what really matters in life, in relationships, in friendships. You know, you have a much stronger sense of self. You know, you have your own style. You know, you have your own style of dress. You have your own style of home decor. You have your own style of how you live your life. And... That is just a fantastic mindset and life stage for which to do all sorts of things that perhaps you've always wanted to do, but, ne- but never gotten around to or never done. And so I really encourage everybody to look at this as, you know, menopause is like the, the airlock into uh, the transition into a whole different life stage 
that is so immensely rewarding. I love that. And you know what you said reminded me of Carl Jung. I saw a quote the other day where Carl Jung said, the first 40 years of your life is research. The next 40 years of your life is all about using that research to implement into your mm. new life. And I, 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 that's I, great. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's exactly the spirit. I watched the interview you had with Gary Vaynerchuk a while ago. I think it was the Canlines Festival. And you were yep. talking about ageism. And that fascinated, um, that conversation fascinated me. And I want to understand how does menopause and ageism interlink? Um, do you think that they're interconnected? Well, um, you know, obviously, um, ageism is, I mean, first of all, it's the ism that impacts all of us, you know, um, men included, although obviously it impacts women more than men. Um, it's also systemic and endemic um, at every point along the age spectrum, because you can absolutely be dismissed for being too young, especially if you're a woman as much as you can be dismissed for being too old, again, especially if you're a woman. And so, you know, ageism um, is connected to menopause only insofar as, you know, the wrong way to look at menopause. And, and obviously, this is the case with, you know, a lot of sexist men and women who've internalized misogyny is to go, oh, it's a sign that, you know, um, you've left your reproductive years behind as a woman and now you're useless and nothing could be further from the truth. So, you know, to, um, as far as I'm concerned, combating ageism starts with all of us ourselves. And so this is why um, I encourage everybody, but especially women, to say your age as often as possible. Mm. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm 63 I tell people how old I am as often as possible. I shout my age from the rooftops because I believe in combating ageism um, the opposite way to the way many people think about it, which is to go, you know, that hoary old cliche, age is just a number. No, it's not. Your age is a very special number because your age is the sum total of you. Your age is the sum total of all of your life that you live to date, all of your life experience, your expertise, your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. You know, to your point, um, as Jung said, all of the research you've done to date. And so your age represents your value. And so I coined the hashtag several years ago, say your age, because I encourage everybody to do that. Um, to counter that ridiculous thing where women will go coyly, I'm not going to tell you exactly how old I am, or make a joke about it. Mm. Because when you go loud and proud on your age, you go loud and proud on the value of what that represents. And so, you, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I, um, I hear regularly from women who have really taken this advice on board. And I remember, um, you know, that this is some time back, but a woman messaged me on LinkedIn to say that, you know, she had been on a panel at a conference and um, the, each member, member of the panel had been asked to introduce themselves. And she was very, um, you know, to, um, she was very mindful of my hashtag say your age. And so when it was her to introduce herself, she said, you know, my name, I'm, you know, she said, I am. And she said her age, which was, I think at the time, 50 something. And she said, first of all, 
The moment she said that, there was a sharp collective intake of breath from the audience. So everybody <laughs> audibly went, oh! <laughs> and the very fact that she had said that. But then, but then the panelists who introduced themselves after her then also said their ages. And so she was getting that movement going. And I was just thrilled to hear that example of, you know, saying your age in public. Um, to, um, and, and, and then, you know, th this is why I also say to people, again, especially women, you know, absolutely do not do that thing on LinkedIn. But unfortunately, I, I know older people do, which is telescope your resume to look like you're younger than you are. You know, people do sure. remove chunks of their, you know, I go, no, 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 no. Um, you know, and again, I've been saying this to business for years. You know, it is so cost efficient and time efficient to hire and value and promote older employees. Because when you've been round the block 50 million times, you know, we know exactly what to do in any business crisis or challenge or, you know, coming up against any business problem because we've been there before. So we can solve that way more quickly than younger employees who are encountering this for the first time. You know, we can see business solutions. We can apply business strategies we've used before. And all of that adds up to saving so much money and time for businesses mm. in a way that makes older employees enormously valuable. So, you know, I say to people, absolutely talk up your age and your experience and your expertise because that is your value to business. And what are you seeing like with tech founders and, and women starting businesses? What are they doing about ageism? Is there things that you that you would recommend women embrace on this journey of to how to combat it? Yeah, I mean, um, just ignore ageism. Yeah. You know, it's, it's completely relevant to what you want to do. Mm. So just be yourself and do what you want to do. I totally agree with it. Well, listen, on the one side, I must tell you, I became a numerologist. So oh, wow. I'm all about the numbers now. Excellent. <laughs> so Excellent. when you say that number, I know exactly what's going That's fantastic. on. <laughs> I love on, that. That's yeah. great. I want to start off with this important question. If you go back in your life and acknowledge how far you've come and how you've grown and consider the ways that you've come to be who you are today, how have you honored yourself and your bravery Talk to us a little bit through your unique path and where you feel you showed up brave. In a way, Carmen, I don't think about it as brave because everything in my life and career has happened by complete accident. Yeah, I've nice. never consciously intentionally planned anything. And, you know, make love, not porn was a complete accident. I didn't set out to do what I, I do now. You know, I, um, I date younger men, realized 17 years ago, before anybody else identified this, that when we don't talk openly and honestly about sex, porn becomes sex education by default and built a solution. And so it's very much, you know, the, the saying goes, the path appeared. You know, my path appeared. I didn't choose it. But I think, you know, it's interesting because when the path appears, you don't think about bravery. It's simply what you know you have to do. Mm. And I think that's true of so many people doing wonderful things. And that there are two aspects to that. You know, A, something in the world has shown you that you need to do this. But B, very importantly, by doing it, you are living your own values. You know, and mm. I always say that, you know, that, that is the secret, really, of happiness 
living your life and working your work in a way that is true to you, you know, living your values, working your values every day. And so I don't think about it as as bravery. In, in fact, it's interesting that other people might call it bravery because it just indicates how few people actually do that, yeah. you know, but, um, but you know, um, I say to people, you know, find find what it is that is calling to you that says you need to tackle this. And that is true to everything that you believe in, because, you know, that's your path. And when you're on it, you know, it's not about being brave. It's simply about, of course, this is what this is what I, I have to do. So, Cindy, it's so sad that we have to get going because I can talk to you for hours. But what is 2024 going to look like for you? What you're up to? I've been working to raise a serious round of funding for Make Love Not Porn for a while. And I'm hoping that 2024 is the year that we'll see all of that happen. So for me, it's the year of investors who get it, who understand that when you change the world through sex, you are operating, you know, and I always say Make Love Not Porn operates in the single biggest market of them all. Not sex, not porn, the market of human happiness. And so Mm. I hope that 2024 is the year of finding those investors who will put up the funding to really bring happiness to the world in a very unique way when we take the shame, the guilt and the embarrassment out of sex. I love that. Well, I wish you all the best. And I, I, I must say, one thing I admire about you is your tenacity. You go against the odds. And even when, you know, some people might frown, like, what is this about? Everybody's always pulled into your conversation. And even from um, the previous interviews that we've had, where people come to me, geez, like, that woman is interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, wow. Thank you so much, Cindy. It was so lovely chatting. We'll be in touch. It's been a pleasure, Carmen. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.